This is Jeffrey Aaron behind the old blue snowball. Let's talk some numbers as February continues. As predicted last month in our publication, Flying Typers, by our reporter, Mike King, there was little sign of pre-Chinese New Year's rates or volumes surged, with front-loading on the Trans-Pacific lanes and weak European demand making for a tepid run-in. The latest numbers from the TAC index reveal that Hong Kong, North America lanes dipped from a peak of 5.69 per kilogram on November 19, 2018, to 3.52 per kilo on January 21st, before perking back to 3.87 per kg on 4 February, just as factories in China closed for the holidays. Hong Kong Europe routes, meanwhile, peaked at 3.77 per kilo on December 10th, before slumping to 2.74 per kilo kilo on February 4th. Kathy Morrow-Robertson, founder and head analyst at Logistic Trends and Insight, told Flying Typers the role of tariff deadlines on the Trans-Pacific and greater use of technology had limited, limited peak demand spikes for air freight ahead of CNY in Christmas. A lot of this front-loading and also improved planning, thanks to tech tools well ahead of CNY and March 1st tariff deadlines, was going on. That's why we saw record-breaking ocean freight imports late last year versus any significant rise in air volume, she said. Kathy went on to say, there was no need for the immediacy that air provides during the holiday season like in years past, particularly when inventory levels were already high thanks to restocking during the first half of 2018. She said better planning is playing a role as well, and I believe this is because of the availability of technology tools that allow for better forecasting and analysis in such a way that helps lower the need for air freight services that may have been used in the past. The relative disappointment around markets ahead of CNY should be put in perspective, according to Peter Stallion, air cargo derivatives broker at Freight Investors Services, FIS. Referencing tax index numbers, he noted that growth has slowed, but the rates haven't retracted as clients were expecting. January 2018, he said, benefited from the demand spill over after the exceptional end-of-the-year peak enjoyed in 2017. As a result, average rates across the weeks 1 to 5 just a year ago in January 2018 were 14.6% higher than a year earlier. However, he noted that in January 2019, average rates were still a quarter of a percentage higher year on year. If anything, he said, the current rates are reflective of carrier sentiment rather than driven by immediate demand. Price levels are maintaining their inflated rate after a buildup over 2017 and 2018. However, the price movements over the January period have not reflected drop-off in demand, Mr. Stallion said. He said a number of FIS clients had expected rates to drop to around the levels seen at the start of 2017 and were querying why supply and demand fundamentals were not being reflected in pricing. Quote, supply is high and only set to go higher as carriers either start acquiring greater numbers of wide-body aircraft or modernize their fleets to take on greater payloads, he added. With a longer view, a lot of these airlines will be taking on risky position They'll be betting on the positive developments of e-commerce and pharmaceutical markets. It creates a perfect scenario, Mr. Stallion said, for fairly unpredictable medium-term market movements that will react to the results of macroeconomic events throughout the year. 
The structural issues that could become an issue during 2019 for air cargo sector were laid bare as full 2018 data for global air freight markets from IATA showed that demand measured in freight ton kilometers grew by 3.5% compared to 2017, with international e-commerce a key expansionary driver. This compared to the extraordinary 9.7% year-on-year growth recorded in 2017, said IATA. Downward pressure was felt on load factors as freight capacity measured in available freight ton kilometers rose by 5.4% in 2018. Quote, air cargo's performance in 2018 was sealed by a softening in demand in December, said IATA. Year on year, December demand decreased by less than a half a percent. This was the worst performance since March 2016. Freight capacity IATA said, grew by 3.8%. This was the 10th month in a row that year-on-year capacity growth outstripped demand growth, end quote. Alexander Dijuniak, IATA's director general, said air cargo demand lost momentum toward the end of 2018 in the face of weakening global trade, sagging consumer confidence, and geopolitical headwinds. Quote, we are cautiously optimistic that demand will grow in the region of 3.7% in 2019, IATA said, but with a persistence of trade tensions and protectionist actions by some governments, there is significant downside risk. Keeping borders open to people to trade is critical. Ms. Robertson does not expect demand really to start surging until later this year. For this quarter, Right now, I expect a slight uptick in air freight volumes as compared to the December and November, but nothing significant, she told flying typers. Air freight volumes will probably not pick up until inventory levels are drawn down, perhaps by 2019. The old hand in the game, Charles Chuck Cloudus Jr., Managing Director of Logistics Consultancy, Trans Logistics Group, TLC, believes air market forecasting now is as difficult as at any time in recent history, particularly on trans-Pacific trade lanes. Quote, trade talk uncertainty has impacted air freight volumes and possibly rate levels twice at least in the past year, he explained. First, last year in anticipation of something resulting from the U.S.-China sword rattling, large tariff increases loomed, which caused an inventory buildup as U.S. consumers continued to feed their growing confidence. This left inventories prematurely large. Then, secondly, as talks sputtered, trepidation grew that the holiday season might suffer. It didn't, yet November air volumes on the Asia-U.S. route slipped. Inventory build had already occurred. Now, here we are in early 2019. U.S.-China talks are still stuck, and murmurings of an administration official on cable TV recently can add concern that, again, impacts these routes and world markets to some extent. In my opinion, Based on 50 years of opining, we are in the most volatile, fragile, and yes, uncertain time for forecasting the short or long term ever experienced. Chinese New Year still occurs as it has forever. But this year, there's at least one larger beast in the room, and that's a resolution to trade disputes between two major players, especially in the air cargo world. As certainty returns, Better predictability should as well. What do you think? Write to me, Jeffrey, at aircargonews.com. With special thanks to Mike King for his reporting, this is Jeffrey Aaron.
Thanks for listening and keep them flying. This is Jeffrey Aaron as we recall the greatest aviation historian, Ronald Edward George R.E.G. Davies, curator of air transport, the National Air and Space Museum in Washington, who died Saturday, July 30th, 2011 in Shaftesbury, England at 90 years old. Ron's legacy to aviation is captured in 25 books and other social efforts and are as pioneering and important in scope as many of the subjects he wrote about, including Lindbergh, Earhart, the Berlin Airlift, and almost every major airline in the world, past and present. Although we were friends and colleagues and even tackled a few projects together during our three decades, the last talking session we had was inside Ron's apartment in McLean, Virginia, in 2010. For no particular reason other than my need to capture moments in both words and pictures, I had brought along a small digital camera. I recorded the entire 90-minute conversation, never knowing that this scrap of footage would be the last ever taken of my dear friend. We shared some moments with Ron Davies, recalling the interviews and travels, having landed at some point and been greeted on the Normandy beaches of France in 1944, and later globetrotting for Douglas and de Havilland aircraft builders, and even later for Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum, circumnavigating the planet again and again, coming and going. We asked who were the most memorable people he met during his long tenure as the Dean of Aviation Writers and Historians. Sir, you're coming, coming to the end of a very long and distinguished career. Could you tell me, sir, who's the most interesting person you met or a couple of people that you met that made an impression upon you that you think about today? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, dear. Sure. You should have given me advance notice because I, in, I mean, I'm getting old, so I've met so many people. I think the most recent one is Frank Lorenzo. Yeah. The notorious Frank Lorenzo. He's very interesting, and every time I've met him, when I was doing the uh, doing my book on Continental Airlines, I interviewed him in 1984, and uh, I found him. He's the uh, devil incarnate, according to all the pilots, but I found him to be a perfect gentleman. Yeah. What was it about him? I mean, just his mannerism or what well, he, I how he asked, thought about I, It was just when uh, Continental Airlines, he'd just broken up Continental Airlines yeah. because the pilots wouldn't talk to him about reduce. That was when Continental was losing one and a half million dollars a day. Yeah. And nearly all the employees at Continental, including Lorenzo himself, had taken a pay cut, and the pilots wouldn't even talk to him. And yeah. I interviewed him, and he said, uh, I was his secretary, who only retired recently, Millie. Uh, Millie said, oh, yes, I'll arrange a meeting for you at 6 o'clock this evening. He'll spend a few minutes. Um, I, he gave me almost an hour, and we just chatted, and he explained to me, he said, I, how can you... Uh, he said, I'm, and that's when he closed down the airline, if you remember, and the pilots got their revenge later. Yeah. But, um, I, and I'm going to interview him again at his ranch up in New Jersey soon. So he's one of the most people I've, but I, I, uh, I, I, oh, I must tell you about, I once had tea with J.R.D. Tata, the founder of Air India, 
I was at a conference in Delhi, um, at a big um, conference of the uh, uh, Travel Association Group International, PATA, yes. Pacific Area Travel Association. They yes. were holding their annual session in uh, Delhi and in the Ashoka Hotel, and JRD had a suite of rooms. And I phoned his secretary and said, would it be possible to interview him? He invited me up for tea, and I sat across rather like this, and with a, they brought in a tray of tea and cakes, and I had tea with J.R.D. Tata. Yeah. I'm very proud of, of that. What did you ask him? I just asked him, well, very general, about it. Yeah. And he was the man who founded Air India, and 50 years later, he flew the same aeroplane to uh, to England. Wow. Fifty years later, he was a great player. And, of course, in the end, the uh, bureaucrats in Delhi got rid of him, and uh, Air India started to go downhill. Yeah. Would Freddie Laker be somebody? I, yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah Freddie. Yeah. Oh, knew Fred very well. Yeah. And uh, his wife made a lovely cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I was. I remember I was standing at the loo once at Douglas because I was head of market research at Douglas. And Douglas I was Aircraft. In the gents' loo, and the boy said, "I said hi, Ron," and there was Fred next to me. Jeez, did, did he ever tell you about flying monkeys into uh, in, into London on converted Lancaster bombers from India during when no, they were doing I, I guess he was probably one of them. They they did yeah. it for. Um, scientific research. Yeah, he, yeah, well, they always try to keep it kind of hush-hush. I'll tell you one thing, you know one of the airplane, British airplanes, Yeah. Uh, the uh, Avro Tudor? Yeah. I remember Peter Maysfield, for, well, Peter Maysfield has to be, yeah. I worked for Peter Maysfield directly wow. as one of his staff for nine, nine years. Wow. And I remember at the ministry in 1947 when the Tudor was, they were trying to resurrect it. And he came into the office and we were talking about it. And he said, I know two things about the Tudor. I do not know which is the Ruder. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, yeah. I've got, I've got a, uh, I, my picture is in, uh, Sir Peter Maysfield wrote his book. And uh, before leaving BEA, where he was the head man of yeah. what you call a president, he had a picture taken of all his staff. and. I'm, I'm in that picture. Yeah. So Peter Maysfield and Freddie Laker. And I must mention Clarkson. Richard Clarkson. Oh my goodness! Yes, he was the chief aerodynamicist of of um, De Havilland. For and I came theoretically under him. I was in. Uh, I was head of market research there. I started the market research group there, and I. He was a, an acerbic individual, uh, highly intellectual. He did all the beautiful aerodynamics of those beautiful de Havilland aeroplanes. And he was, uh, he, he used to, he used to ride the, uh, uh, ride to the hounds. <laughs> and, uh, but he was known, you had to be careful with him. He was a very, uh, uh, he couldn't stand falls glad, uh, mm -hmm. gladly. Mm -hmm. he, he couldn't couldn't tell he couldn't stand many intelligent people kindly either <laughs> and I always remember at one meeting I was a quite junior I was a I was a manager but I went to a meeting once to discuss some 
esoteric subject about the new aeroplane, and there were about four or five directors at his meeting. We all sat round a table, and uh, after about three quarters of an hour discussing this, he said, right, uh, let us uh, sum up what our conclusions, and he asked each one of us, we, we went round the table one by one, and asked what they thought, and I was the last one, and the most junior, and by the time it got to me, uh, everybody else had already said what I was going to say. So I thought, well, I can't just repeat it, I'd better think of something. So I said something, I thought I said something. And there was a long silence when old Clarkson, uh, he didn't dare interrupt his long silences. And he said, well, thank you, Davis, for that penetrating statement of the obvious. <laughs> and ever since then, I've learned never to say anything if I've got nothing to say. <laughs> uh, if you'd like further information on developing air cargo topics, go to www.aircargonews.com. If you'd like a free subscription to Air Cargo News and to our thrice-weekly publication, Flying Typers, write to me, Jeffrey, at aircargonews.com. In the meantime, thanks for watching, and keep them flying.